I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the We Are Jobs Next Move Group podcast. I say it backwards every time and I don't know why. It's just what I do. But that's probably because I've already poured myself a bourbon. Uh, we are sitting this week in Jefferson County, West Virginia, and joined uh, by Dennis Jarvis, the Executive Director of the Jefferson County Economic Development Authority. Thanks for joining us, Dennis. And thank you, and, uh, and thank you for sharing uh, libations. Ooh, cheers. Let's cheers. All right. Cheers and libations, and uh, you know, uh, to a great day of work we've had thus far. We've had a great day of work. It's funny. We I, don't rarely, I rarely get a chance to sit down with somebody and do... Uh, the podcast in person, and uh, luckily I was able to have a little bit of time between when we finished up our day and when you were able to meet us here tonight that I was able to go by and get us a bottle of Four Roses Single Barrel. There wasn't a huge selection at the liquor store I went to, but this is one of my personal favorites. Well, uh, we're going to supplement you with one of our uh, local libations. It's uh, uh, Devil's Dude Distillery. They are a very young, burgeoning uh, endeavor. Uh, They're on... uh, their three-year-old bourbon, which they're going to release later this summer. Uh, this weekend, they have limoncello. Uh, and then uh, following weekend, uh, two weeks ago was apple pie. This weekend is limoncello. Then they will also have a peach and a kind of a fall compliment that they haven't told us what it's going to be yet. Um, but we'll get you by there next time and uh, see if a Kentucky Inn likes that uh, West Virginia I made cannot uh, wait bourbon to try it. So they're making moonshine too, not just Moonsh- bourbon. M- uh, b- bourbon, moonshine, uh, gin, uh, vodka, and uh, they use local ingredients. They cut the supply, the local supply chain, and eliminate carbon footprint. All fantastic endeavors, and uh, I will say a high quality product. Ryan on your staff, who we talked to today in part of our interview session, um, talked about this distillery using locally sourced apples to make their apple pie moonshine. Most agreeable. So it's the same one. Same That's one. so cool. And I will say that there's been a, a few <coughs> bottles around the campfire in the back, backyard of my house uh, in the last two years of that. And uh, they do. They use a, uh, they've got a, uh, I have a really good relationship with them. And uh, they have expansion plans for industrial, for their, facility in our industrial park uh and that's one of those value added ag initiatives that we we love promoting here in jefferson county yeah so it's pretty awesome i want to make sure everybody knows you know what we're doing here um next move group is up here working with jcda on a few different items um uh, primarily around organizational processes uh but we've discovered a few other things we may want to assist with and that's the the cool thing about bringing in uh, our team is, you never know what we might find once we get get in place. <laughs> well, you know, they, they always, they've always they been looking for Al Capone's box and the whereabouts of, uh, of uh, you know, certain other in, individuals. And you never know what you unturn when you're in, in the state of West Virginia and or anywhere that I'm concerned yep. and invested. So, uh, you know, self-defecating, deprecating humor, <laughs> so to speak. So, so Dennis and I have a little bit of a connection. Uh, actually, there's two that we've we figured out. One... Uh, you had some experience with former Governor Paul Patton. Uh, limited, but know of him and uh, much respect and uh, admiration across the Ohio. Yeah. Back when I was at Marshall University and the growth he had for the Commonwealth, it was fantastic. Well, and, and that's the second is Marshall University because I, I don't live too far from there now. I've been in that region for a while. Yes, sir. But I think it's really cool that you you knew 
when Paul Patton was governor and, and the things that he did for economic development, and, and it was one of the first things you ever said to me uh, when we when we first talked. I think any good student of a profession or trade should know uh, the, the competition, know the level of professionalism you're up against. Uh, the, I, I think Kentucky's greatest days are because of visionaries and people that walked with him and walked after him and you're part of that you're a student of that or a disciple of that endeavor uh you know we're seeing that kind of growth now in west virginia we've had a genesis of uh, new leadership and uh, the state senate our state legislature being the upper and lower house being a republican controlled with a supermajority and an accommodating governor and and the growth that you all saw in areas that weren't expecting growth, mm. that hadn't seen growth. That's what I applaud somebody like a Paul Patton, a visionary. Mm-hmm. Who would ever thought we were going to sit and talk about investiture in Pikeville, Kentucky, and growing up in Boyd and Carter County, and, and places they're forgotten about. Yeah. And, 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 you know, our governor, your governors, they, leaders lead. And, yeah. Uh, that's why I like associating with uh, you and Chad and Alex and everyone on staff at the Next Move group is – leaders lead and, and you all understand those rural communities those small mid-sized markets uh, that's why we've continued relationship with you all professionally this is my second stint with you all one in north carolina in vance county uh, and we brought that relationship to bear here and i uh, done a board training for us and uh you know you all looking at some other potential uh avenues here in the region to look at investing and doing some things in but uh, we're seeing progressive growth because of our relationship with you all organizationally. Yeah, well, you know, one of your neighbors to the west, we've been talking with them as well about strategic planning uh, and had hoped to, to see them on the way back, but uh, they're on vacation this week. But, you know, going back to, you know, discussing results and, and what's happened in a lot of uh, uh, states and leadership from the past, I think, you know, leaders like Governor Patton and, and others in that time helped shape what. Uh, incentive policies and what economic development was to look like. Uh, I know they influence a lot of site consultants as well. Uh, I've had site consultants my entire career talk about some of those governors. And then you have what's going on today. There's a lot of uh, economic activity, especially around the EV market. Uh, you have a lot of activity in Ohio and Kentucky and Tennessee and West Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina. Not necessarily in the EV market, but you have primary metals manufacturing. Raw materials are occurring. I mean, there's a lot of growth that's occurring in a lot of states. And I think you all have some pretty awesome team members across the state of West Virginia right now. My buddy Brad Hall is with uh, Appalachia Power Company. Yes. Over good. on, and not your territory, but no, farther good, west. But a good group. And I know he pushes for change that affects, you know, you know the entire state of West Virginia, not just where he's at. Uh, you, you know, uh, there was uh, 20 years ago, you and I would not have had a conversation about progressive dynamic expansion of economic development at a local or state level in this great state. And uh, as I told you earlier, leaders lead, and maybe that's the motto of the podcast today. But... Uh, you know, we've had pockets of prosperity, but New Core Steel, uh, $683 million of investiture on the Ohio River mm-hmm. in Mason County, West Virginia. Uh, EV market, we've got a, a new company investing, making batteries and buses for a school transportation, secondary schools, public schools. Uh, that just got announced in Charleston uh, last year and a half here. We're looking right at 14 to $16 million in new CapEx. Uh, part of that's expansion, but uh, majority of that's new investment. And, uh, you know, you're sitting right now uh, in the fourth fastest growing community in the last 10 years. Uh, we have the highest per capita income, highest educational attainment. Uh, we're a bedroom community for Baltimore, Northern Virginia, and D.C. Uh, we tap into 6 million people within an hour and a half of where we're sitting right now. Uh, but economic development across our state has been grow and progressive and, and uh, influence, influencing. And, I mean, someone like Chad, Chad came and spoke at our state association legislative mm-hmm. meeting in January uh, and talked about what could be and where we could go. And, you know, he had the endorsement of the House leadership and the Senate leadership after him. Uh, I mean, talking about uh, here's a guy that gets it. So, yeah. Uh, next move group. uh, uh not, next move group in West Virginia's got a good firm play. You're very well thought of, and things are growing for you guys here as well because of what you all do. Well, I think we're going to be doing more. Yes, uh, and it's interesting too the different things we've been doing in West Virginia recently. You know, 
for everybody out there who's listening right now to the podcast, number one, you know, if, if you don't know what the state of West Virginia looks like, go Google it. But where we are right now is in what they've been calling the Eastern Panhandle. Eastern Panhandle. But when people asked me where I was headed in West Virginia, I said, I'm headed to the fingertip over there. Over there, just south of Maryland and north of Virginia in that little sliver. You know, when you know John Denver, uh, they wrote a song in the late 60s, uh, Almost Heaven, Country Roads. Yeah. And, and, you know, that song was written more about the Shenandoah Valley and, and that part of 81. But when you talk about um, Almost Heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Shen- the apex of the Shenandoah and Harpers Ferry are right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the, our nation's great history has been born or uh, strife has led to change based here. The raid on Harpers Ferry, as I talked yeah. to you about today. John Brown. John and Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the Battle of uh, Haymarket is south of us. Antietam is just across the, the river from us. Gettysburg is within an hour and a half. Uh, James Rumsey and the, the innovation of the steam engine drew breath here. Uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson have walked here, slept here, ate here, hunted here, and who knows many other endeavors. But uh, it is an amazing place to be, and, I, and I'm glad we've been able to share it with you the past two days. I've loved it. I've I've actually been close to here. I've not been down into this portion of West Virginia, but I've been in Hagerstown. Actually, I was there not too long ago for a wedding because my nephew lives in Hagerstown and uh, he was stationed at Camp David. I don't, I guess I can say that now because he's not there anymore. Uh, but he was stationed at Camp David for a while. Um, and, uh, he got married to a young lady he met up here in this region. He still lives there. He just had a kid actually. Oh, we're about 24 miles as a crow flies. Yeah. It's not far at all. No, not at all. And you know, uh, we're in that juxtaposition in between, uh, Hagerstown, Winchester, Virginia to the South, uh, Loudoun County, uh, just right across the river from us. And, uh, you can play, stay, play, and recreate here relatively well. It's a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got mountains, you've got river valleys, mm-hmm. you've got pastures. The only, the <laughs> only, at the only section of the Appalachian Trail in West Virginia has, is right here in Jefferson County. Uh, you know, we were just right now this evening at uh, a Raceway that has 50 plus years of eight different racing platforms that two little guys called Paul Newman and Tom Cruise have driven at. Uh, we were looking at uh, rezoning them from uh, rural to general commercial uh, and some new endeavors they have. Uh, and it's kind of interesting when you sit in Jefferson County, you never know what you're going to see around the next corner. So, oh boy. <clears throat> well, I've, I've loved it so far. I really enjoyed the drive in. Uh, of course, coming all through West Virginia into Maryland and then back down into West Virginia. And there's a few ways I can go back and it depends on how scenic I want to get. So true. Uh, you go through, uh, you know, we find ourselves the distance from Charlestown to Charleston is the same as it is from Charleston to Charlestown. Charleston is our state capital, but we are to Annapolis, Harrisburg, uh, Dover, uh, Richmond. Um, we're within five. We, we, we're within two hours drive of five state capitals, and it takes us six to get back to Charleston. Wow. So, <laughs> And this is before Zoom meetings, and this yeah. was before cell phones, and this was before emails. Yeah. We've always been that far away. That's interesting. You know, I'd encourage anybody out there, if you're headed to the D.C. area uh, at any point, this is a, a nice area to, to drive through and to check out, especially now with this distillery and what they're doing. That's a nice little stop along the on the trail. And, you know, you come back in about... Uh, we're on target for the, the rebirth, the regenesis, the revitalization of the Hilltop House that overlooks the confluence of the, the Potomac and the Shenandoah there in Harpers Ferry. And that historic structure is going to be a, a five-star hotel uh, comparable to you know the southern uh, amenities like the Greenbrier. Greenbrier, the that's the thing of Greenbrier, yeah. And what you all have in Commonwealth, very agreeable. Uh, you know, the, the brightest days for this county and the brightest days for this state are not... They're three and five years out because our successes are keeping sustainable yeah. success. Well, it's interesting. One of the things I was going to say earlier, we're talking about uh, what Next Move Group is doing in West Virginia. We've been doing a lot of consulting with EDOs and communities. We've done some speaking events. And we also, that new core site uh, that was over in Mason County, we had one of our site selection clients who was getting ready to go look at that site. <laughs> Well, kind of and we got the phone call, y'all can't go look at that site today. There's something going on there. And they couldn't tell us what it was. What it was was 
Nucor was finalizing some some things on the site that day, and we couldn't go over for our site you visit. Know, how, how much more gribbled we have to be to influence you all that we could have had the gribble site for <laughs> hey, your, look, I'm your just client telling, in this county. You could have, uh, but uh, and it, it's, a, it's a great site, and that goes back to planning. Uh, there was some planning put in place uh, with Atco. They had some property over there, and, and if you want to talk or hear about that. Go back, uh, I think it's episode 150, uh, Brad Hall and I from uh, Appalachian Power talk about that and the planning that went into it. And, and he has a wonderful associate there in the, in the Valley, Huntington, Charleston area, Heather Van Hatter. She works with him. And, uh, you, you know, I don't know Brian, but um, I know the company he has. Yeah. Uh, and, and, just, and Heather used to work for the state, right? She, uh, she worked for Putnam County in a local office. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it's always wonderful when you see someone graduate from a local endeavor to something regional or transportation sector or utility. Uh, I mean, those are always those dreams of us young or burgeoning economic developers, what we want to be one day. So it's, all right, I want to take a quick break real quick for a second, then I want to come back and talk about um, what you were just saying there and follow up with how this industry is connected. So we'll be right back with the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. And we're back. Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. I'm actually pouring a fresh... Four Roses. You need a refill there? I do. Actually. All right. Yeah. We're going to give Dennis a refill here on the Four Roses single barrel. So uh, I, I like Four Roses quite a bit. And then just so happened, um, a friend of mine with the power company, turns out her husband was the uh, master distiller, still is master distiller at Four Roses. Oh. And he's a great guy. Um, and she's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, two people I love hanging out with. No wonder. Our Brent and Amy Elliott. And um, one of these days, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Brent to jump on the podcast with me and talk bourbon. Oh, but, you, well, um, you have to. But that facility, Four Roses facility, uh, that's one of those jewels for you all in the Commonwealth. Uh, it's... It, looks like a spanish mission you go yep. there they have a whole story of why it how it happened and its growth and it's just a beautiful it's almost a sanctuary to me it is you go there and, and I, so you've been to it because yes. you know it's a spanish mission style yes, sir. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's so cool because it's unique in that in that way there's not a lot of bourbon distilleries that can say they're spanish missions no, so there's no the, other one that's like no in the color palette for the buildings and whatnot does not conform to any existing right. use in that region whatsoever. Yeah. It's just beautiful. So I, I was going down. We had uh, uh, site visits in uh, western Kentucky, West Tennessee, and, and uh, parts of a couple other states. And um, I was heading down on Father's Day to get ready for those and was passing through and Four Roses was open that day. And I thought, oh, I'm going to stop in and see if they happen to have maybe their barrel proof or something special on, on the shelf for Father's Day. And I hadn't realized they had opened the new visitor center there, and it's gorgeous. I haven't seen that. So it's brand new. You know, all the bourbon distilleries uh, have done all these new visitor centers. So I, I encourage anybody, if you haven't been on the bourbon trail in a while, go back because it's all new. They've got new places to eat, dine, and hang out. My, so. my, I, my memories go back to when Wild Turkey was uh, still dry, could not drink there. <clears throat> they gave you bourbon fudge. Okay, and I met with a, a gentleman just sitting off to the side who happened to sign my bottle of ten-year-old Russell's Reserve. Jimmy Russell signed Gold Sharpie, signed my bottle. Yeah, that's cool. Had a ten, twenty-minute conversation with me, and I had no idea 
the opportunity that was given to me, bestowed upon me, and and how wonderful that was, and how unique of an opportunity that yeah. it was until many years later. And uh, that's just the richness of what, where you're from, and I'm kind of envious in that regard. So. Yeah, it you know being from Kentucky and uh, and understanding the bourbon industry, having a, a family who was uh, moonshiners mm-hmm. and uh, has that heritage, um, it it all means a lot to me. Doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the history and heritage of other states, though. You know, one of the things that I find cool about what I do now, especially as a consultant, is the travel and learning about other areas and the histories and what you know drove. Uh, that region to grow as it is and and the stories behind why it is the way it is it's amazing to me the intertwine you look at uh, uh, you look at route 60 uh, the midland trail the canal turnpike yeah that ties your state capital in lexington to the state capital in richmond not in lexington frankfurt frankfurt i apologize <laughs> uh, oh my god how did i do that in frankfurt and i didn't know that uh and, and, and you look at that kind of linkage between east to west expansion mm-hmm. and daniel boone and expansion west and davy crockett and all the other forefathers were there but that route that ties us together it was the salt trade it was the uh, navigable rivers in Ohio to Kanawha. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they were doing economic development in that little sector, Route 60 from Frankfurt that I get right this time, to Richmond, <laughs> Virginia. Generations before you and I oh, yeah. think about sitting around talking about those who came before us. Yeah. You know, tr- salt trade, the uh, the oil that was discovered, coal, mm-hmm. everything else. The, the country... Industrial Revolution really owes its <clears throat> homage and expansion of our country through the, the toils and tribulations of those in eastern Kentucky. That Route 60 is so uh, prominent, I think, for the growth of this country. And we don't talk about that a lot. And I've just kind of sat here and thought of that. There's a lot of things that, honestly, we don't talk about a lot in history because it would take forever to cover every aspect of it. But, you know, if you're from an area, regardless of what that area is, I think it's important to understand what created the expansion into where you are Don't and understand the history of it. Um, I'm always a big believer of, of understanding that. And, you know, as we took the break earlier, one of the things I was I was actually going to hit on, you talked about knowing Heather, mm-hmm. and there was a comment made today. So as we're, we're working with you and talking to the staff and talking to board members um, about organization processes, there was a comment made about how it seems like everybody in this industry knows each other. And it seems as though... Now, being at Next Move Group, I always knew that we all were connected, but it seems like we are so much more connected now. I mean, it's like, well, I know this person who knows this. Everybody knows everybody in some form or fashion. If you have been active as an economic development professional, I think that's the key. If you've been an active economic development professional. True. And, and, you know, uh, I've been members of aforementioned, uh, not mentioned uh, professional organizations. And, you know, we've chose a path for the last year. Um, we didn't renew, uh, when I came here, we did not renew our relationships with some of those existing organizations yeah. until change was made. Because I see the growth and the connectivity I've made with Next Move Group with economic developers in Iowa and Kansas yeah. and Mississippi and Texas and throughout the Southeast. And we meet once a month and we talk about who we are, where we're going. Uh, do you see this problem with workforce? Are you seeing this problem with housing? Are you seeing the and there's all the commonalities. Yep. And it's not it's not it's the same things, just different named people in different zip codes. So I've I've enjoyed the the opportunity you all have given me professionally for growth, maturation. I don't know that it always sees fitness, <laughs> but but you know yourself and meeting Ivy and Alex and Chad and the rest of the staff. They're kind of there, and you drop things. If if you're a movement member, you all kind of drop things and say, "Hey, let's help you with that RFI. Yeah, let's help you with that <clears throat> marketing initiative. Let's run this up the flagpole and talk about housing and what is defined as worker housing and what's affordable housing. Yeah, I, I've seen the investment we make with you all be, uh, hey, great. I've got a developer. Can you talk about housing? That's an issue every community or state. We're uh, consulting in right now it doesn't matter where you are housing is a problem it's an issue there's housing that's too expensive or housing that's too low there's not that middle class what we would consider traditional middle class housing that's in that 
hundred and fifty thousand dollar home to two, two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's where it and that and and apartments, good apartments. And, and and we're having that disparity here. You know, we're averaging ninety to a hundred new mm-hmm. building permits issued on the residential side uh, for the calendar year. And you do the math on that, do the multiplier. And when we look at a problem like an equity equity pay for teachers. Yeah, you're gonna to have to pay a science teacher in this community higher than you would the southeastern coal fields of West Virginia, for example. Jefferson County should have a higher teacher rate of pay versus a teacher that's much needed still in McDowell County, where I'm from. Yeah, but we talk about that and housing part of that conversation we have and what's deemed affordable housing. You know, for a teacher, for EMS, for someone in that public sector, even guys like you and I and I do. You know, what's affordable housing? So you know, you don't. I, Especially if you're a single professional, oh, yeah. coming straight out of grad school, and you're certified, and they're going to pay you eighty thousand dollars a year, you can't afford to live in our region right now. Well, and that's a lot of regions that are like that, um, and so and because that's been coming up, and so many of our with so many of our clients and people who are calling, reaching out, movement members reaching out to us. Uh, I have a developer who's a, a great friend of mine, and and I talked to him about actually I, I called him about a, a client of ours in particular. And, and it had to do with, uh, we met with their commercial realtors or residential realtors, and we said, hey, you know, you have a lot of large, nice houses being built here, but you don't have any for the people making $20, $24 an hour. And, you know, the question was, why is that? And the answer was the cost of real estate per acre, and that developers didn't want to do it. And they gave me their price per acre. I called my buddy, developer friend, and I said, hey, if this was a price per acre, would you be able to, you know, put in a subdivision at 150 to 225k on a house? And he said, "Yeah." That goes to willingness. Turning them out all day long, probably. And their ability to get the building supplies. Of course, supply chain issues have been going on. Building supplies have been high, but those are coming down. Cost of two by fours, for example, has come down from you know it hit a peak high of somewhere around twelve bucks a board or something like that, where it was four dollars a board. But all that goes into cost of construction and cost of building. But <clears throat> it also goes back to incentivizing them. And honestly, if you're if you're building a um, uh, uh, a subdivision and you know, hey, I can build. Two homes per lot at this cost, or one home per two lots at this one, it goes back to ROI for the person who's doing it. Maximum utilization. And so I'm going to have that developer come on in my podcast, and and we're going to work on. And he's been actually looking at, okay, how can I give some good advice to the listeners of the Next Move Group podcast on how they encourage the developers in their community to invest in those types of, of housing options. Let's host a Zoom session with him here for our region in Jefferson, Berkeley, and Morgan and uh, be a little eye-opening. We wouldn't need any... Uh, <laughs> any we um, wouldn't need any... Would yeah, we wouldn't need anything to break the ice, mm. so to speak, in that endeavor. Yeah. So it's interesting you, you, you talk about that. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, the commonality that I've shared with members of the movement uh, of your group is, uh, you know... Uh, smaller, smaller rural markets. We're fifty six thousand and some change. Yeah, we're a quarter of a million people right here in our Panhandle. Basically, we're at two hundred twenty thousand uh, right around uh, in Jefferson, Berkeley, Morgan County, and uh, guys and gals that we work with and talk with with you all in the movement, uh, ten thousand, four thousand. Yeah, uh, maybe a hundred and fifty thousand. Right, but nope. It, it's just like a. It's like going to church on Sunday and having fried chicken after, you know, with y'all. <laughs> I, I mean, you just kind of sit there and everybody knows everybody. And, you know, how's mom and them and how's the cousin and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's good talk. But You I, know what's I, been really cool? I love working with you guys. I, I, I have to say, one of the coolest aspects of coming on board at, at Next Move Group, and Ivy might be able to attest to this too, is how much we honestly, genuinely care about our movement members. Oh, that's and true. And making sure that we put out awesome content for them. I finally, and I'm saying that part, partly because I got to do my first movement video ever. Which one's yours? I haven't so seen it yet. it's, it hasn't hit yet. It'll hit this week. 
It's how to recruit aerospace. How to, and that is kind of interesting. I'd like to. <clears throat> I'm encouraged to watch that. So that's on our regional yeah. target list. So that's Chad, because I did so much of it, and, and and Chad even he interviewed me for one movement podcast about the aerospace industry, and then he realized I had met with all these CEOs of the major international aerospace companies and how much I knew about the aerospace industry, and he said, honestly, Chuck, you need to do. A movement show that's all about how to recruit aerospace because you know it better than I even thought you did. How wonderful for us to have that conversation. We have a, <laughs> an aviation program at Shepherd University. We have Shepherd Field. You have East. AMT. Uh, don't oh. have AMT. Okay, but we have we have the ability for growth in that sector for you. Right but you're here. a Marshall man. I am a Marshall. And man. guess what? Marshall University just put in place. We sure yeah, did. buddy. Be heard. In that that FAA. Yes. A and P certified mechanics program. Sure do. And that, yep. that we don't have yet, but we're getting there. But that's be, so be, important. Be heard. You need to start using that hashtag. B H E R D. Be heard. <laughs> well, look, the the aerospace one hits this week, and and I, I've never done a movement show before. I've never done one of these educational videos. I've I've, I've done education before, and and I've spoken to large groups of people, very large groups. Of, I've never done it, recording it before, so it was a little awkward for me at first. But I feel like maybe I felt my I got my flow. You'll have to give me uh, sort of a grading on it. And tell I, me how I will, I did. but you know, I think we, I think you have the the, the articulate the wonderful platform to articulate from is a podcast. For you. <laughs> I hope they did a lot. It'd be kind of like putting me behind that camera. You know, Chad and Alex look a lot better than the two of us do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. only so much you can do with guys like <laughs> right. us. You got two things on the table. You can mold. One of them molds a little easier than the other. We were talking about that yep. the other day. Uh, yesterday, I was, yeah. with, I was with a consultant, but. But uh, what I'm trying to say to you is uh, I'm looking forward to that. And and when you join, that's the diversity of being a next movement member. <laughs> we talk, we know kind of how to attract and talk to someone in the aviation sector. Well, what's cool is we're always, as an executive team, we're, we, we sit down and we strategize on, hey, what's the best content we can put out there for the movement members? What's something great that we can stick out there for them right now? And how do we make their movement membership even better than it has been? And, and, and you know, we're, and, 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 and how quick and adaptable are you? And, and, and that's not a rhetorical question. Example-driven aviation, example-driven uh, on-the-fly talk about housing. If you wait for other organizations, which we'll, we're not going to give acronyms or alphabet yeah. soup on, we pay a lot more money. And we go and we attend a pod, we attend a Zoom session or we attend a session in person, and it's not even catered to. It, they don't even highlight. Go to a go to a housing conversation about one of those that serves big metro areas. Yeah, and they sure as heck couldn't talk about what you just <laughs> talked about and understand what worker housing is. Yeah, because no, of, they don't. No, no, and 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 it's an issue one uh, that everybody's facing right now that's not being talked about enough, Mm-mm. and two. It goes back to our core mission as a company. We care about small to mid-sized markets more than anything else because that's what we're from. That's what we're accustomed to. That's what we've worked in. And we know how hard it can be. We know the microscope that economic developers are under in those communities you know, to produce. You know something? You was wearing a white collar today. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to give you an analogy. You're wearing a blue collar right now. Mm-hmm. You, you, Chad, Alex, Ivy. And I know I have not made those relationships with the rest of your team, whom is fantastic. They're all kind of blue-collar guys and gals. Yeah. Uh, and Chad, That's what we all came from. Well, Chad told that story about his daddy and, and mm-hmm. losing that contract in the glove, a textile manufacturer yeah. for gloves. And I'll never forget it. It reminds me of my great-grandfather and my grandfather, uh, people who were coal miners and taught themselves to fly, opened up sawmills. Yeah. People like my daddy who... Came up a hard way and ended up being a school administrator. You know, barely could get through high school. Don't mean that bad to my dad. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that's why I like working with you all. You wear a white collar shirt, but you're blue collar in your heart yep. all the time. And, and my white collar shirt got spaghetti sauce. Oh, on sure today. did. But that was good spaghetti sauce. <laughs> all right. Stick with you. Take We're gonna take up. another quick break, and I'm gonna come back and we'll tell you about my daddy. Yes, sir. All right, we'll be right back.
In today's Executive Search Spotlight, we're gonna look at Grand Junction Area Chamber of Commerce. This is in Colorado. The Grand Junction Area Chamber is seeking a president and CEO. And Grand Junction sits on the western slope of the Rockies around 250 miles from both Denver and 250 miles from Salt Lake City, Utah. So located pretty much right in between the two, if you can picture that on a map. The uh, metro is 125,000 roughly in population, but this is the largest city in between Denver and Salt Lake. So it's a regional hub and that population of that region is roughly 300,000. This is the 14th fastest growing economy in the United States. The GDP has increased 80% over the last decade. So tons of growth opportunities, tons of growth and momentum to, to piggyback off of. The Grand Junction Chamber CEO oversees a staff of seven and is heavily involved in advocacy business growth, BR&E, and of course, member and community engagement. Every recreational outdoor activity you can think of, well, all of Colorado has that, but this region especially, there's hiking, horseback riding, kayaking, anything that you can do outdoors, they have it. And if you're like me and your favorite outdoor activity is sitting at a winery, they have 30 wineries in the region. To top it off, they have over 300 days a year on average of sunshine. So wonderful quality of life. Salary range is 110,000 to 160,000. So if you're interested in running one of the premier chamber of commerces in the Western United States, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Grand Junction for more information. And we're back with the next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. Dennis Jarvis here, JCDA. Why don't you have the E in there? Um, when we were uh, developed uh, and set by the County Commission in uh, April of 1979, it was the Jefferson County Development Authority. And it was a more encompassing title. It yeah. allowed us to do community development, entrepreneurship, workforce development, yeah. those sort of things. So, uh, you know, I talked to you about my one of those predecessors ahead of me, uh, Jane Peters, first mm-hmm. certified community economic developer. What do you call that? CECD. CECD, the first yep. lady that had that designation in the state of West Virginia. Uh, I think it was a call, cast a wider net. Yeah. So, no, that's really cool. You told me that story, too. I didn't yeah. know that. And. Of course, Ivy and I both have had our education. We can sit for the CECD exam, something we've not done. Uh, but OUEDI, that program is great. You, you meet a lot of great um, friends and people that can be mentors and folks that can really teach you. And Ronnie, Bryant. I talked about the financial side of it. Ronnie Bryant's great. I love Ronnie, Ronnie Bryant, Bryant was my mentor when I started in that. So see, that's, yeah. that's commonality. No, yeah, that. and Rocky Wade. Oh, R. Rocky, Rocky, oh my Wade. gosh. Oh, uh, oh, what a beautiful, beautiful person. I think we oh, cheers you on, on that one. one yep. that. You're right about that, too. And, and, and one of my favorites in the world who's now doing a lot of uh, teaching in this is Chuck Whipple. I just love Chuck Whipple to death. I think he's one of the most wonderful people ever. He does such a great job of teaching in the program, and he's a good mentor. I haven't seen him in a long time. For young time. economic developers. I have not seen him in a long time. So if you're going to SEDC in San Antonio, look look up Chuck Whipple. I will be there. So I talked about, we were talking about Chad's dad. I want to tell you about mine. And the reason I want to tell you about mine is he just helped me move. He was just me and him moving my entire house. And I was so sore. I was talking to my buddy Jack earlier. I, I work out with this group of guys, these business guys. And Jack Justice, who will be 70 next month, can outlift all of us. He, I aspire to be like Jack Justice when I'm 70 years old. And I called him about some bourbon advice because he's way more experienced than I am. And um, <clears throat> he lent me a trailer because our U-Haul, I was supposed to have a U-Haul on Friday morning. It didn't show up. I didn't get one till Sunday at 3. And me and my dad, just me and my dad, busted our butts, just getting furniture moved, heavy furniture. And... He's always reminded me of what a work ethic he has as a person. And that's where I got my work ethic from, was from him. Because when I was a kid, my dad looked at me. I was, it was when I was in high school. And he wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do with my life. He wasn't sure how I was going to turn out as a person. And he said, son, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you. You can spend this life working with your back or with your brain. Either one can be tough, but you need to choose which one you're going to do because you can make a living both ways, but your back will break you. 
And I watched him when I was a kid. I, I grew up in a rusted out, single wide, blue trailer that had rust stains all over it. And I was talking to your chairman, Sean. And I love Sean to death. He's great, He's got that by the way. He's, He's got one of my favorite accent. people I've ever met. Good accent. And we were talking about only having three channels when we were kids. <laughs> I was 3, 6, and 12. He was 6, 12, and 9 or something. And then if you moved it a certain way, yep. you got three more I was from a, New York. I was the one, if, if the saddle or if the antenna image wasn't coming in good, I'd go out and twist the antenna. No, but but see, my dad, when I was a kid, you were talking about that. <laughs> my daddy figured out a way to run an, an aerial pole. Up about ten more feet, so we got four more channels than everybody else. In well, our, isn't that in nice? our hauler did. So, so your dad was a bit of an engineer. <laughs> All right. <Sorry>. So <laughs> our daddies were came from the same school. So right. it's like I'm sorry. So my dad and I talked uh, this weekend, but but one of the things I've always respected about him is growing up. You know, we're in that trailer, and I knew at the time, at eight nine years old, I knew. He was going from this job to that job, making cash, doing whatever he could to support the family. And we didn't have a whole lot. We, I know one year my parents pawned their wedding rings, which were purchased by their parents. They pawned those to be able to purchase Christmas gifts for me and my brother. Because they didn't make any money at all. And they Worked hard. They did what they could to raise me and my brother. And finally, one day, a company came into town, grew an operation that was already existing, added a massive amount of employees. This was a large company who came in, saw an opportunity, bought out an existing facility, added new jobs, and my dad got a job there. And my life changed because of that. That's impactful. And... We moved out of that trailer. I remember I remember as clear as we're sitting here right now watching that trailer get pulled off the lot that we lived on and being thankful that I didn't have to live in that trailer anymore that was too cold in the winter and way too, too hot, hot in the in summer because we didn't have air conditioning. Know that and in the wintertime, we didn't have heat either. All the heat we had was a kerosene heater that... During the day was in the living room, and at night was between the bedrooms. And there were only two bedrooms, my mom and dad in one and me and my brother in another. And we got a what I call a real house, a house made of sticks and bricks. <laughs> Big deal. And what's cool is, I didn't find out until years later, it's a house that my grandfather bought from a Sears catalog, one of those houses you could oh, buy you, and kidding. build yourself. A kit house. Yep, a kit house. And my grandfather be, had built it. Yeah. It would be a spec house today. And you, you know, there's commonalities there. Uh, <clears throat> my, my daddy, I told you, uh, uh, my first home was a, uh, a trailer, uh, uh, what we used to call coal camp number 13. Yep. Dale. My daddy worked at U.S. Steel at night, put himself through Bluefield State and with the GI Bill. And, uh, you know, I, our second house was a big trailer in Princeton, West Virginia. We graduated to a 50-acre farm and a four-bedroom home in Beeson, West Virginia. It's still my home. And uh, I, I, I was sitting there smiling and nodding with you. They can't see us. I know the rough stains, and I understand that, tri that tribulation. You, you got free free uh, lunch when you went to school. People, your shoes, your socks didn't match, and you had hand-me-downs from your from your cousins. And by feet to this day, I have crooked big toes because the shoes I had growing up weren't were too small. Yeah, I, I, we I, got our clothes from the Salvation Army. Yeah, when I was a kid, you know it was a big day. When didn't we, have Goodwill back then. No, you no, went to the Salvation Army. Commodity cheese too. Yeah, powdered milk. Mm -hmm. Tell somebody today what the heck powdered milk is. I, and I'm 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 only forty. I love this. This, you know, I'm, I'm a few <laughs> days older than you, but I, I, that's what you know. I don't mean to get back and get back to. This is the commonality. This is why I've invested our dollars with you, two states, two budget cycles. This is why I come back to you guys all the time. And yeah, I, I will trade. I won't. I won't trade the four letter uh, professional organizations. And somebody smart out there will figure out what those two, three, six, or eight are. Uh, I wouldn't trade my experiences with you all the last two years for what I've had then. But I, I, but I will say to you, I, I go back to one of my first trainings at Oklahoma at EDI, was the best economic development movie you can ever watch. You know what it is? Mm -hmm. Gung Ho. 
Gung Ho. That movie about the auto industry yeah. and Michael Keaton goes yep. to Japan to recruit this group to come in and help his union brothers build these cars. All your listeners should go out there and listen and watch. It should watch Gung Ho with Michael Keaton. <laughs> and it's one of the, it, it, it's, it's campy as heck. But if you're an economic developer uh, or aspiring economic developer, you'll appreciate it. I always laughed at them about that, and I was like, no, they talk about incentives, how many cars are made, how many jobs we're going to create, the CapEx, all the things you and I, the three of yeah. us and five, we do every day. So it's fairly interesting. You want to go out there and learn something, go watch Gung Ho. That might help you be an economic development professional. And just so the listeners know, we keep saying the three of us because Ivy's sitting here working on a laptop while Dennis and I are having bourbon and talking. So, <laughs> Ivy, you want to say hi to everybody? Uh, yeah, she's no. not going to say a word. She just said hi in her <laughs> unique way. It was wonderful. She looked at us silently and yeah, was like, yeah. "Why did you just call me out?" <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like my wife texting me why I haven't called her back since we've been having this podcast. <clears throat> but, but, but you know, I, I'm sure we're getting down to the point where they're going to whittle us down and tell us we have too much time. But uh, Chuck, thank you for being here with us in Jefferson County. Uh, thanks for helping us grow uh, as a group. Before you came here and before you came on board, uh, I'm eager to see uh, in September when we roll this out after a board training, which you're going to have a little input on as well, um, what, what our next steps are. I'd like to come back with you in a year or 24 months and we're drinking some Devil's Dew, <laughs> which is our distillery here in the county. Uh, and we talk about uh, where we were two years ago. I'm and looking forward to that, too. Trade, trade some stories about your daddy again. I'd like to hear a whole lot more. There's a daddy. lot of stories about my dad. Yeah, I'd like to hear some more. Because uh, I got some about my great-granddaddy and my daddy. I got some about my great-grandparents. <laughs> my great, I got some real good stories about my great-granddaddy. It was, you know, because moving this week, um, I was moving my bourbon bar. Everybody now knows I'm a big bourbon aficionado. And I, I rented this house for a short time right now. And I, I was able to build out my bourbon bar in that house. And I keep a special folder. And I'm going to frame all these at some point. But this special folder are copied pictures of my great-grandfather, his brothers, and their moonshine stills. in oh. Land Between the Lakes from the early 1900s. Because my great-grandfather, uh, Ramsey, was born in 1899. And, you know, by the time 1910s, 1920s rolled around, he was moonshining with the best. Um, my cousin, Spencer, uh, had his own legal distillery. Uh, he was he was on the show, that moonshine show on uh, Discovery Moon, Channel. Moon, Moon, moonshiners. moonshiners yeah. He was on Moonshiners with them. He served Moonshine at the Academy Awards. My cousin did. It was my great-grandmother's recipe. Not my great-grandfather's recipe. My great-grandmother's recipe. And you talk about somebody who, oh, man. I hope they, I hope they all heard that out there. My great-grandmother was Just awesome. Just say that one more Sammy, time. My great-grandmother's recipe. recipe. Because <laughs> every bit of my family had a different recipe. Now. I like that. So those are things we'll delve into future in the podcast. But I tell you what, I've enjoyed being here Thank in you. Jefferson County. Uh, it, here it's been well. great to meet uh, your leadership, your your especially your board chairman, who I think is phenomenal. Um, I know what it's like to have a great board chairman, and it's invaluable it, as it, an economic and, developer. And what's the reverse of that? Um, <laughs> Let's reverse that. A bad board chair. Okay, <laughs> and if you have, uh, coming from something where we had, that's uh, why I, I pawed what you're saying about our chair, and uh, I concur with you. It's all about leadership. And even those bad leaders, or imperfect leaders I've worked with and worked for, they taught me how to handle certain things. Always work with your board. Always work at the behest of your board. But if you got somebody that can buy in with you, yeah, share your vision. Share your team's vision. I'm sure you understand that. Share your passion. Passion. And I, I hope people glean I do have a passion for what I do. And Sean Fijo, our chair, uh, I just love hearing talk. Hello. Got that Swamp, swamp Yankee accent comes out. And he, By the way, so everybody knows Swamp Yankee is. Sean, his board chairman, is from Boston originally. He's in West Virginia now. And his accent doesn't fit with anybody you meet here. It sure doesn't, especially with mine. I have to sit there sometimes. We both have to have an interpreter, me for him. One for him when I talk and one when he talks back. And I spent Thanksgiving and other... Uh, other holidays with his family and they have got that accent and I'm sitting there sometimes going like 
if it's really good, I'm just gonna nod, just just <laughs> nod, smile and nod, and you're good to go. But 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 you know the, uh, you know you all covered what, all fifty. What was Chad and Alex and y'all saying one time? You've had something in all fifty states now. Yep. A project, a job search, a movement member. Yep. You touch shore to shore. Yep. You're like the Big Ten now. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you look at our client list. We're we're approaching. It was four hundred. We're approaching five hundred now clients. Across 50 states, uh, across the country, um, we have clients right now. We have site selection clients from Brazil, Germany, and Canada. All great trading partners and FDIs want to move the country Bloody. continue forward. Yes, it is. Reshoring is not just a term; it's 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 factual. Especially Canada, because you look at COVID issues. Mm-hmm. You look at issues like uh, you know even the truckers' protest that occurred that shut down the Ambassador Bridge in Detroit for a time, you know, that caused major supply chain issues. And so you you look at those Canadian manufacturers who who thrive on the American economy um, because Canada is, what, 36 million people uh, across the country? Yeah. And in the United States, is 330 million plus. The majority of Canadian companies thrive on the American economy. And so, and I've been saying this in a lot of podcasts lately, but Canada is a great area to be recruiting right now and talking to companies right now because all of them are in the back of their mind, if not forward. They're looking at when and where do I need to be putting a facility in the United States? Next 12, 24, factors of 12, anywhere between 12 and 36 months. I concur with you. And, uh, you know, uh, as we close this, you... uh, you need to remind old Chad Chancellor when he does his football forecast for college football yeah. that I have a podcast on the side called Outside the Huddle with DJ2. <laughs> he needs to bring me in. He needs to bring you he on. He needs to bring me in and let me talk about the Sun Belt and the, the best conference the G5 has. Well, Chad and I both live and reside in the SEC. Oh, so. yeah. you, 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 special ed, you can't, you know, SEC special <laughs> ed conference. So I've been thinking already about this coming fall getting ready for college basketball. Chad's got the football covered. I don't. We don't talk about basketball enough. That's me. Oh, I'm, I'm all about the basketball, buddy. I'm looking forward to talking to you about Sunbelt basketball too, which is all right. probably the best G5 and the best of the group of five in the country. So. Well, as we get closer to that point in time. I may have you on my basketball, my NCAA preview for basketball. I was going to say, you know, hillbilly ball in Marshall at university with uh, with our great (laughs) coach over there, Coach Dan Tony, good old boy from Mullins, West Virginia, prodigy of uh, Wyoming County. So you can't do much better than that. (laughs) Look, folks, I appreciate you joining us on the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. Appreciate Dennis Jarvis being with us this week while we're up here with him. We appreciate all of our movement members, all of our clients that we work with, and look, if there is a topic, if there's something you'd like to see us talk about on the podcast, if you would like to be a guest on the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast, reach out to me, Chuck, at nextmovegroup.com. Until next time, thanks.